0: Mm. I like the way that came in I Like this one. Listen Got some trouble that these drugs can't fix We might struggle because life's a bitch Think you happy when your ass get rich Blowing money cause a bag ain't Shit Got some trouble that these drugs can't fix We must struggle because life's a bitch Think you happy when your ass get rich Blowing money cause a bag ain't I just locked my house to the drought. Now I'm staying on my mama couch yet. Told me get a job or to bounce it. Never pay the bill, I caught my ounce eight. I could spend a 20 on the dub But I can't even spend it on some shit I really love I need some TLC but bitches treat me like a scrub I gotta drive my mama car to pull up to the club Ain't nothing left to do but now a nigga gotta hustle I got it out the money and I did it out the muscle When do we do the game, I put my niggas in the huddle Now we all just running around the feet and feeding pieces To the puzzle, my nigga, ayy hey. Got some trouble that these drugs can't fix We must struggle because life's a bitch Make you happy when your ass get rich Blowing money cause our bag ain't shit Got some trouble that these drugs can't fix Hell no. Nah. We must struggle because life's a bitch Make you happy when your ass get rich Blowing money cause our bag ain't shit Now I gotta play it and I block it First I
1: get the crib, then the yacht, eh are from 9 and All to right. And we are back, Quentin. And this week we are Jake Lee Ving or New Japan's. All right. If you like saxophone, how you doing tonight?
2: That is a really long name. Is that the whole thing?
1: Basically, but it's just going to be Jake leaving.
2: Oh, <laughs> great. Um, I had a kid on our first day today. Uh, that was good. And then ended the day. Decide that they just didn't care about getting on their bus and decided to uh, curse out the entire staff and some other children.
1: Oh, fantastic! And
2: uh I guess someone who does the same position I do wasn't really re- reading the vibe, and then yes. he saw him. I was like, All right, "Hey, man!" And, like tried to fist bump him, and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh. he was like "Fuck out my face, bitch!" and just All right. walked off, and I was like, <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah. I got, like, I, wish I could have stopped it from happening. But it seems like he didn't know that, that was the vibe that was going on. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, but uh, nah, other than that, I'm fine. I'm the fine. vibes, sh-
1: the vibes shift quickly when you're that age. You have to, yeah. uh, have to understand. You know, um, I was gonna say I don't know if we have recorded since you got the new job, but actually, we, had, we have because then I remembered. Yeah that i had to edit something one time so i was like oh yes i remember that now um but uh so tons of news obviously i mentioned that before we even started recording um did you see mandy rose's bush uh, i mean obviously she doesn't <laughs> actually have a bush um no but uh <laughs> did you see that story
2: wait I mean, no i guess yeah i guess she has only fans or something i don't know
1: like- uh i guess it's I was going to make a joke. I was going to say, I don't think it's right to, you know, just cause she's a, a member of the Bubba army, but it's something called brand army. I guess it's like an only fans type website. Um, and she does, I mean, soft core basically from, you know, what I've heard. I, I'm, I hate doing that because it like comes across like you're doing the whole, you know, like, ah, ah, ah. but like literally I didn't, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen anything. Um, But yeah, softcore, porn, you know, whatever. Uh, That's all she's doing. And dropped the title last night to uh, Roxanne. I think Roxanne Perez is what they call her in uh, NXT. And released today. There's a lot of stuff swirling around. There's innuendo and there's people who are reporting directly that this is a basically Daniel Bryan-esque situation, if you recall when he got arrested for choking Justin Roberts with a tie, who turned out that as with everything, Daniel Bryan was right with that. Um he deserved it. Um that uh that like a, a sponsor is upset and plan to quietly bring you back down the line, uh hopefully with no issues. Uh all the way to also like uh contentious She was pushing buttons and intentionally pushing the limit because she basically wanted to get let go at this point because, you know, she's just annoyed with them basically asking for anything or giving her any problems with it because WWE, I think, is still kind of going back on their idea that they want uh, to have control of people's outside stuff like this third party licensing and things like that. So, yeah, she is gone for only fans basically
2: um i mean like what was going on with tony storm is like i mean like obviously the tony left for, for a different reason and then she started the only fans and we saw how ridiculous that was going uh when she first when she first popped up on there right? well if you can make money that way why the fuck would you want to wrestle man <laughs> like right like why would you want to like why would you want to be involved in this at all um I'm curious to see, like, now with Vince gone, I don't know if there's st- if they're still are they st- so I guess they're still doing that, wanting to control all streams of revenue thing. But well, they
1: said no. But then it fe- the one of the reports I saw felt like it was kind of implying that that was part of it, mm. like that this was not co- like this was not okay under her contract or whatever.
2: Yeah, it's probably not that. It's probably not exactly. It could be part of it, but then also just like the shaming of any type of sex work, right? So like that, so that, so that could be it too. Um, just weird that Mandy would have did that. You know, Mandy does all this in NXT, and then like doesn't get it, like doesn't get any sort of chance again on the main roster. <laughs> Obviously, right. it was just like a bad marriage by the by that point. But the fact that uh, toxic attraction. Fatal attraction what, what the fuck are they called?
1: Toxic Attraction is it? You got it. Yeah,
2: Toxic Attraction did all this and the person that was in front of it isn't even getting like a main roster run out of it, at least for now, is like Right. Yeah, like wow. <laughs> it's like okay, like that was the well, we'll thing that happened.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like I said, we'll see, we'll see. There's a chance that she gets brought back here in a little while afterwards. But uh, you know, it's also possible that she doesn't. Um, I mentioned it with the name of the podcast. Jake Lee leaving All Japan, obviously rumors are wants to go to New Japan, but that, I think that rumors have always been there. All Japan looking real bad, looking real shaky. What a you know, not much uh, left on the bone there for them with losing Jake Lee, who's like the closest thing that they had to a number two young star. Uh, yeah, not a not a great look there. Um,
2: uh, no, we're it's getting bad. We're getting back to like bad points again uh now it's uh like it's not like cratering yet i don't think but now but now at this point i don't know if jake lee maybe would want like was it like a freelance thing with all japan Japan, or this Mm would be like a full stop like leaving like leaving the company and going somewhere and going somewhere else full-time deal but yeah at th- at this point man like it's it's bad and i like I hate seeing any company like this, but it's just even more disappointing you when you remember the upswing that all Japan was on in that like 2016 2018 time frame right and now the f- like just they just haven't been able to string anything else together other than Kento being a hit and trying with Naoya and trying with Jake Lee and trying with these other guys. And yeah, but it's just, it's just sad. Cause you can only, you can only run Kento versus Suwama so many times. Like,
1: yeah. Yes. I mean, Suwama has, is not really having the box office appeal that he, even he had, which was not great up until recently. From what I've heard, stuff is going even worse with him on top. So You know, it is what it is. Uh, Rumor that Vince McMahon thinks he shouldn't have stepped down and shouldn't have retired. Says that he wants back in. Not surprising, right? I mean, of course he wants back in. Like, that's not the shock. I guess the shock is the idea that he would go back. I think super unlikely. Um, And I think the biggest... I mean, the biggest thing you look at is at his age. What's the point of him going back to then just leave again when he either dies or has to retire again? There's no, eventually. there has to be no way Hopefully they would soon. let him.
2: There has to be no way they would let him back, though.
1: I mean, he's got voting control, right? So there is like theoretically a way that he could force himself his way back in, but it would be very difficult, and it would probably start to cause a lot of issues with sponsors and media partners and a yeah, lot like of they're, like they, yeah. they're
2: just there's just no way I could even see that happening. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I'm giving him too much. But pre- it's just, it's just like insane to even think about that being a possibility. But this is Vince, and you know, this like this is this isn't surprising. This is like right. trying to get Tom Brady to stay retired. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: exactly.
2: Like this is it's, 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 this this there's like the exact same way of thinking. So that's that's not that's not that's not a shock at all. I just. I just can't see a world where the people that are in charge now let that happen.
1: Yeah. And the biggest news story, or at least one that I had something specifically, I wanted to talk to you about with is Sasha banks. Have you heard any of this? Yeah. Some of it. Yeah. So Sasha banks likely showing up in new Japan or confirmed as much as it is that she'll be at wrestle kingdom in what capacity it sounds unlikely that she wrestles, um, putting together a per-appearance deal between Stardom and you know Road for her for a figure that they said higher than per-appearance payments that they were giving to Jericho. We talked about it in the past. Sasha Banks, legitimately probably the biggest star in U.S. wrestling. I think, you know, active wrestler. I don't know. You could say Cena, but I think it's hard to even call him a, a bigger or call him an active wrestler. Um, Roman, I just really don't think that he truly is. Um, he's been proven not to be a difference maker, not to be a needle mover, and you know, not to really have much purses outside of the world of wrestling. Within wrestling, he's a big star, but he has none of the crossover appeal that Sasha has. Um and like I said, big difference maker, obviously worth it to them. Possibility that she shows up in somewhere in like AEW. And here's the thing that crossed my mind and I think the comparison, while it's not the best just because of who the person is as a human being outside of the context of wrestling, but I think as a good maybe comparison for just the situation, could Sasha leaving WWE, and the reason why I say I wanted to talk to you about it, be similar to Hulk Hogan going to WCW, um, in that this huge star who has a younger fan base, and the reason why I say I want to talk to you about it is specifically because I know your younger sisters like Sasha and they weren't necessarily even wrestling fans, Um, those kind of fans who are younger, who are growing up now and will follow Sasha or follow Hulk Hogan to a new company and a different kind of wrestling and see something different, could Sasha have that same kind of influence where because younger fans who are growing up go with her to this new thing and see Japanese wrestling, see Joshi wrestling, see what AEW is all about as like a different kind of wrestling and see just the concept of professional wrestling. It's like for Hogan, it was like Hogan turning heel. It was these younger fans, this, they grew up with Hulk and then now they're older. They're like, ah, I'm kind of bored of this, the whole Gamania thing from when I was a kid. Then he turns heel. Oh my God, it's shocking. It's something new. But with Sasha, it's these younger fans. They've only seen her in WWE. Maybe they're not even wrestling fans. And then they find out about, oh, there's this... I'm getting older, and I'm interested in... What is she doing? Oh, there's wrestling in Japan? Oh, there's women who do this insane shit in Japan? And, like, how big stardom could get from something like that?
2: Uh, That's interesting. Um, I will say... Uh, I think that context for a lot of things is really important. So for as big of a star as say John Moxley is right now and the fan base that he's always held him going to AEW when he did being cooled off and at, at the point, and at the point in the career that he, at the point of his career that he was at uh, versus where Sasha is are like actually two different two completely different worlds. And back when the Sasha and Bailey stuff was first happening a couple of years ago, I, I think we were, I think we were saying too, that like that would be the biggest possible move that AEW could have, that it would be bigger than Moxley, maybe not be bigger than punk, but, or say Danielson, but that was, that's the kind of star level we're talking about with Sasha Banks here, where you could say it's punk Danielson and Sasha for like the biggest, like, talent acquisitions that you could get for the company so i definitely can see that for all for a few different reasons why it would be like a big boon for aw i think especially for stardom too because AEW, uh even with the improvements that the division has been making we're still talking about uh are still talking about a, a division that sasha despite how much she raises the talent around her. That's still not a ton to work with yet, as opposed to her going out there and trying to hang with Kyrie and uh and and, Sa- and Saya and Tam and Shuri and Julia and Azumi and everybody. Like she would bring so much attention to that, just from a wrestling standpoint. I think she would fit right in personality-wise, uh, at least like in terms of like her in-ring charisma and things like that. And I, I, I think I'm, I think I'm inclined to agree. I feel like it's because like we like Hogan is Hogan, and he's revered the way that he's revered for his for uh, his popularity within wrestling, what he did for it. But this would be the closest chance we get to that, because like. AEW wasn't gonna get a Randy Orton. They weren't gonna get a John Cena. They were in talks with Edge, but Edge isn't that type of name. They got CM Punk and Danielson, but CM Punk is a CM Punk was a different story, and Danielson. I don't know. He's he's, he's kind of a weird case to evaluate, where he's like clearly has yeah. a lot of value, but like he's not that he's not that same kind of star that like a punk or Hogan would be. And I think that Sasha probably is the closest thing to that for people that don't, don't like not maybe not just don't watch a W but don't watch wrestling. It would see that and see Sasha Banks there and would be interested. I'm not sure if that would be like long-term fans that, they're, that they're gaining but in terms of eyes and social media engagement, which is why I think page was such a good, Uh, get for them too just in terms of social media engagement look at like their followings they have on twitter and instagram those are like real life celebrities and just from that standpoint they're valuable to have so i I think that's a fair point
1: yeah i think again the punk danielson comparison i think what it really comes down to especially with danielson is like they are he already has that connection to the outside world to the history of pro wrestling to having gone through Japan, having done all of this stuff. And that's not to say that Sasha doesn't either, but Sasha's fan base, a lot of Sasha's fan base have grown up with Sasha as kind of their touchstone for pro wrestling punk and Danielson. It's like a, a big major. A lot of their fan base are familiar with them from the Indies. A big part of their fan base are like, yes, like, Oh, these are guys from outside. That did good in WWE and may or they may or may not know them. They may or may not have even seen them outside of WWE, but they know that that's part of their history. But with Sasha, a lot of her fans are like, you know, like I said, younger, especially younger girls that were like, they've only ever really known, like, wrestling as Sasha banks and wWE. and that's it. And then, yeah, her, I think that those fans will follow her because they're so, committed to her as this one thing and it's like oh she's doing something different let's go check that out as opposed to yeah like punk danielson it's like going back punk coming back is kind of different obviously because of him being gone for so long but danielson it was like oh you know we all kind of knew everyone knew that if danielson left wwe he would just be right back to wrestling right just be doing it it somewhere else yeah
2: Yeah. and like and he was like you could say he was different but literally he just went over there and started having big matches again like he was already doing. Like it was exactly. like a it was the most seamless transition that like we could have possibly gotten.
1: <laughs> right. And it's like everyone saw that coming, but it's like I think that there's a lot of Sasha fans that it's like they may not even know of the concept of like Joshi wrestling. You know? I mean, they may have heard of some of it and I know the internet makes the world smaller, so more and more people know it. But- If you're a young kid and you grew up on Sasha, Sasha Banks, and maybe you saw her in NXT and then followed her to the main roster and that's it. You just kind of, Oh yeah, I like this wrestler. You may not know about Joshi. And then you see Sasha show up in, you know, stardom and that could open up like, again, like a whole new world of of wrestling to a whole new section of fans. So I definitely, that crossed my mind. And as I said, I know your backstory with your sisters and I kind of thought about that. I was like, yeah, like, Someone like just like your sisters, who maybe is a little bit more hardcore of a fan still of Sasha, but who grew up on the idea that like that was the first person that caught their attention and made them watch wrestling, and now they they're leaving WWE and showing up somewhere else. I think they're going to follow her. I think that she's got a lot of hardcore fans like that that are young kids who don't really know any wrestling but WWE and Sasha Banks.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I, um, no, I I I completely agree. I think that that's a very uh real possibility and why Sasha holds so much value and I think when we talk about Sasha we like forget how long she's been relevant and been a star like we like to talk about that era of NXT the era of NXT that 2015 when like obviously 2014 is when her rise starts but that 2015 when she like is is given the ball and that's brooklyn and the iron woman match and the debut on the main roster and everything like that's 2015 that was seven years ago yeah seven and a half years ago really
1: yeah
2: like it's been a long time and sasha is still really young sasha's still really young <laughs> like i'm yeah, not even no. sure, is she is she even 30 yet i don't i'm not even sure she is like if she is she's like 31 oh, like
1: yeah, no that's
2: like that, like that's how young Sasha is, and what and how young Sasha was doing what she was doing.
1: Oh, she turned thirty last January. She'll be thirty one in a, in, a, in a month. Dude,
2: like, like, like yeah. see, yeah.
1: like that's insane.
2: That was seven years ago, seven and a half years ago, and that and like she like obviously there's the injuries and the injury concerns, but she has as has as much time left in wrestling as she wants. And that, like, yeah, yeah, man, she's she's an actual real star. And like you said, to the point of growing up there or growing up with her, like seven and a half years. So that's not an exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. That's not anything like that. She's been on the main roster since July 2015. Like,
1: yeah, and that's the main roster, right? Yeah, that's, so the main, NXT, that's the main
2: that's the that's the main roster she's been on she's on, She's been on the main roster since at least july 2015
1: so yeah so you think of a kid who's seven or eight years old who's now 14 15 16 maybe even 18 years old and they yeah they've grown up watching her since they were in elementary school basically and now they're almost an adult and yeah like again like i said that that's a a commitment but yeah like wrestling that's why i think the hogan thing is like such a good comparison because it's like oh the cartoon character you know whatever is getting boring for these kids as they grow up and then oh well what's this new thing that 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 she's doing that's a little bit less cartoony that's a little bit more gritty that's a little bit more real and you follow her to see that you know what i mean that's why i just think like that's a a much more apt comparison because yeah when you start getting that age that's where a lot of people get out of wrestling right 16 17 you stop watching wrestling or if you were a kid that grew up on sasha and now well what's the this what's all this crazy and that's how the people who stuck with it and the people who continue to be into wrestling
2: i can can tell you like like the sasha and naomi stuff Have people that don't watch wrestling asking me questions about it
1: right exactly
2: You you know what i mean like that was just them like walking out so the fact that she could possibly show up in another company yeah that would that would be a gigantic deal
1: so, again, we've talked about it in the past about how big of a star she is, but I think, like, having the the fan commitment and something new happening right now is honestly the perfect time for her. Um, Quentin, have you been following any of the New Japan Tag League stuff at all?
2: Um, the last time we podcast, I talked about Aussie Open a bit.
1: Okay. Um, but I don't know if you've been watching it since then.
2: I've seen a, see a, see a little bit but not everything. Okay.
1: I've been I've been hearing that it's decent. I haven't watched any of it. I don't know what you think if you think it's worthwhile to check out. It sounds like the junior tag league's been pretty good. Uh Leo Rush been looking good. Obviously the uh Ace and Chris Bay team looking good and the Catch 22 team. Um uh, people are saying like oh yeah, maybe top you know, top 10 best tag team in the world for a team that's just, you know, kind of thrown together.
2: No, I've gonna say I've saying any of that. I've, like I said, I've only okay. seen the Aussie Open stuff, and okay. even then, that has well, your mileage may vary because I'm watching them because I like Aussie Open, and it's been like it's been a long time coming to see them in Japan. But it's also like how invested in this can I be when right. the New Japan Heavyweight Tag Division sucks? So, like, so it's cool to see them, but it's just like like I'm doing it because I'm like I'm a fan of those guys, right? Like. Not be like not because I'm invested in the tag league, so I've really only seen that. But I thought and I thought they looked pretty solid. But I think the last time we talked, we talked about how good Mark Davis has looked. Yeah. Uh Kyle will all Kyle I think is great. I think we went one of those years that We had I think I, I think we both had Kyle ahead of right. Mark on yeah, yeah, early on on, yeah. on 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 a list. But this this feels like Mark's time. So if we're at a point where August or July comes and we're looking at some G1 spots. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see see them in the G1 and that would be
1: great.
2: And Mark being like a standout G1 guy would be like my pick of the tournament. I thought I would think I would pick him to have a real super breakout G1. If he was, if he was able, if they were able to get in there.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, I think it would be in some ways might be similar to the that year when Jeff Cobb had his first uh run in the in the G one the where he really stood out in a unique way because of his size and the way that he wrestled. So I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, from seeing something like that. Um something like that happen. And an interesting thing would be um Kyle and Mark actually for once having like a team from the same stable being on the same block because they haven't wrestled each other's singles in like since like 2017. So yeah. seeing them have a singles match for the first time in five, six years would be pretty cool. Um So I would not complain about that actually, if we got something like that, because that was what started this tag team that ended up kind of having this insane breakout to where, yeah, like you talked about, like they're kind of the hottest thing going in the tag division for new Japan right now um was their matches against each other in action that was like actually really good and and then being in scrambles and stuff together and then they were like ah, let's put them together as a tag team and have them have them not even know that they're going to win the tag team titles uh which was very funny um as they surprise win the titles uh you know like that was a always a, a, a moment that sticks out in in your memory right but yeah it'd be cool to see that come back for the first time in a very long time um and we'll talk about obviously the New Japan, the IWGP tag team champions here later in a moment. Uh, but based off of the match that they had in RevPro and the way that they closed it out, the promo that Dax cut and what does happen in the on the ROH show, does it make sense that Aussie Open not only win the tag league, but then win the titles at, um, at Wrestle Kingdom? I mean, it kind of makes sense to me, even if it feels like it's pretty quick. Um, it feels like it's it's built up and it's set up for the perfect timing.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I feel like again, they're the only tag team there that actually cares. Like, right. like that's like that's their thing, that they are a tag team. So yeah. Yeah, I would I not I wouldn't fuck around with that. Like they're the only actual real tag team in the heavyweight in the heavyweight division. I would just I would just go full steam my head, full see head with that, honestly.
1: Yeah. And as you said, it's it honestly, even though it feels like maybe you could say it's rushed, like I said, it's been built up. And as you said, it's been years in the making. It's been, you know, th- this has been the plan clearly where it was going for a long time and unfortunately got derailed because of the pandemic. So
2: and, really, and, and, even if- and, Mark, and Mark getting hurt, too. Like Mark got hurt, Mark got hurt, and then the pandemic happened. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like
0: yes, this exactly. is literally
2: three, there's like literally three years we've been waiting for this.
1: Right. So it's kind of like it's not, it. It might feel like it's coming fast, but it's really just making up for the lost time because this is where they would have been anyways. Because if they had come in three years ago, I'm sure that they would have already won the tag team titles by now. So it's just like, fuck it, get to it now.
2: If they would have came in three years ago, then they probably would have like actually had to work their way up a bit. But like right. after three years, of course, like, they're, again, on the short list of the conversation for the best tag teams in the world. They've been on that short list for three or four years. Well, like depending on who you're asking, five. Like, yeah, like this, like, but like, like that. What they, what they've been on that list this whole time. So, I mean, I've, yes. Yeah. So, so, so that's why it's like you're gonna have one of the best tag teams in the world come in and not push them immediately. No, yeah. If this was three years ago, then maybe I'd understand that. But this, but this, but this would but this would be like, you know, like booking Osprey in 2018 or 2019 instead of 2016 and then thinking like oh no i think they're pushing this osprey guy too fast it's like what do you mean like he's already been like 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 that's (laughs) yeah right like no like aussie opens already been there done that like 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 no like this like this is like no like they're give them the titles (laughs)
1: they're already proven there's no, yeah, there's nothing left, less left that needs to be proved all that. And yeah, it's, I mean, obviously I've like, I want to like go down the trip down memory lane and nostalgic and talk about it, but people can go look it up on the, you know, PTBN or PWO podcast network. Go listen to the pod blast for me and you. I think when we used to be the dead uh, and the amount of times that we reviewed shows with Ozzy open on in action and fight club pro shows and stuff. And yeah, like you said five years ago, people could have them as the tag team of the year. I'd say, yeah, like the second that they got thrown together, Even that first match, like I said, they win the tag team titles as a surprise and hit the ground running from there at learning on the job, becoming a tag team. And like, it was just so magical. Like really, I think it's such a bummer that not, not everybody got to experience that because it was so fucking cool. The British scene was hot. Obviously now everything bad that came from that, you know, and, uh, And this tag team that was just felt like such a miracle run that was thrown together and surprise victory and all that. And just how great they were. Like it was lightning in a bottle. That was like the kind of stuff that only can happen once, you know? So yeah, definitely. Like I said, if, if, if if you didn't get to live through it, you can go back and search for it and, and, uh, and find the history of me and Quentin talking about it, but it was tons of fun. Um, Quentin, the uh, goddess of stardom tag league final. Wait, 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 hold on.
2: Hold on. So. Regal did wind up leaving.
1: Yes. WWE has officially uh, come to terms on his new contract. He's got at least a year, at least all of next year, he's not allowed to be on screen. Um, but he is there in a uh, executive vice president capacity.
2: Um, What the fuck was Tony thinking?
1: You know... He explained it. Did you hear the story of him explaining it on the press thing about his no, mom was Like I, no, so
2: I'm really I'm genuinely like what was he thinking here?
1: <laughs> it's a bummer cuz I don't want to say what I've heard some crass people say which is like, oh, Tony got played, oh, Tony got played or whatever. Tony's mom had two strokes, I think. And she had one and then recovered and was out of the hospital and then she had a second one and then they were like There's a spot on her heart. She needs surgery um, because we think this is what's causing this. And so she got that and was in recovery. And that's when Regal said, basically, like, I don't have a ton of time left. You know, like he's been saying on TV this whole time, it's weird. And he says, you got you have to understand, like, I want to spend time with my son. Uh, He's there training or whatever, like, you know. I think in your situation, you would understand why this is important for a father to want to spend time with his son or whatever. Right. And Tony agreed and said that he was going to do it, you know, and that was basically it. And that's what, that's what Tony explained. Um, he also said, like, I thought that it was in poor taste for triple H to post that, that video of Regal. Like I mentioned on the podcast of Regal talking about war games. Um, when he was doing a favor and something nice for them by letting him go. But what do you expect from WWE? No matter who's in charge, they're always going to be fucking tacky. Um, and yeah, that was it. So I don't know if I agree with this whole Tony got played thing. I honestly, I thought that it, Regal was nice to have, but he was not need to have. Well, and I well, don't necessarily know how helpful he would be if he was, if you were keeping him there against his will.
2: Well, well my thing is it's not the fact of Regal leaving, it's the fact that he was involved in what's gonna be one of the biggest angles of the year and then left. Like
1: Yeah. Now I agree with that.
2: Now that like that's why like was my concern and my issue with the whole thing is that like he was involved directly in a world title change on a pay per view.
1: Like Yeah. Like, that's I agree 100% with you on that. That, like, not only that, and the way that he booked it, and the way that he transferred the heat, and the way that he continued to keep everything connected was not the best.
2: So, that's why, like, I don't know when everything started, when Regal decided that he didn't want to be there, and when these conversations took place. But I don't know, even hearing that. Kind of like the way that you used Regal there. Even I don't know. Maybe Re, Re, like, like maybe at some point Regal gave like a genuine impression that he wanted to be there and things like that. And uh, even during the regime change, Regal still made it seem like he wanted to be there. But hindsight's twenty twenty. I just feel like I would have hesitated giving the guy that's Triple H is like. Longest-standing friend in wrestling,
1: I know, like
2: that—that that important of a role on my product. As a manager, an occasional commentator, yeah, you're great. Uh, you know, carrying segment, you know, he, doing the occasional promo segment, okay, awesome. Like you're still a valuable talker. I just don't know <laughs> if I would have felt comfortable doing that with the guy <laughs> where yeah. his where his buddy, uh. Of thirty of thirty years is now effectively in charge of the on-screen product again. I, I again hindsight twenty twenty. I just feel like I wouldn't have done that.
1: I know, I know, I know. The whole thing is just so. It. I don't even necessarily think it needs to be hindsight, but you do have to also keep in mind that yeah, like you said, the regime, the regime change was not even just like regime regime ah regime. Regime. That's how you say it, right? That's the word. Yeah. Regime. Yeah. um, Change was also like that. Triple H was like on the DL list. He was like down for the count. Fucking, you know, hurt. Here's the thing. And I'll just say this really quick. People say down bad in a, in a context like this. And that is not what it means. And I fucking hate it, especially because it's older people that I hear say it that way. They'll say down bad to mean like down, like down on points or like you know, down bad is supposed to mean like sprung, basically. So anyways, um, but yeah, like Triple H looked like he was out for the count. He was not uh, he was not going to recover and be involved in it ever again. So I, I kind of understand it in that regard. That like. He was fucked and like that he got fired by Vince and that there was no connection to WWE anymore, except for, yeah. I guess, his son being there. And that he was wanting to be there, and he did want to continue to work with Brian and Mox, who are people that he was close with, and Claudio, who he was also close with. That's the thing. is very funny. Oh, it was very funny because like the Brian connection, obviously the Mox feud, but like I had almost kind of forgot that the, the Claudio feud. Yeah. In with Regal, you know. So I was like, oh yeah, like you know, there's that background. But go ahead. Well, and
2: it's- but saying like Triple H took over in August, right? Yeah. You know his yeah. So this has been—it's been four months to think about this right. and consider this. And again, Tony has had whatever else going on, running the show within his personal life and whatever, whatever, whatever else. But like, I, I don't know. But as soon as Triple H got power again, I would have looked at Regal and been like, "I know, hey man, just so we're clear here, like, yeah, exactly. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? Right." Like I feel well, like the way that you would have treated like the other talents, right? The way that you would have looked at Andrade, Alistair, like those guys who were Triple H guys, and that got that got let go or got the releases uh, during periods in which in which Vince uh, took power away from Triple H. I w- like I I would have been looking at those guys, and I would have had Regal in the same boat.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I, I mean, totally. Of course. And and. Does that mean that you don't use him to the best of of what you can get out of him? No, I think you could still get tons out of him, but I do agree that like that the 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 way that this booking was done was very confusing. Um I think the best thing that you got out of it was the Brian Danielson promo uh telling Moxley to to leave him and I think that a big part of why that even happened um was because of how real it felt and the connection that it came to. And unfortunately I think that it was kind of hamstrung and forced in and kind of made a lot of the story confusing so that you could get there so that Tony could kind of have a surrogate because I think a big part of all of this was, as I talked about there with like Tony's mother and that situation, like real emotions being displayed. And so Danielson bringing up the real emotions of his history with his father and Regal and everything that was the story. And this is, Why Tony, like, this is the biggest problem with Tony Khan as a booker. Tony Khan is the king of headcanon. And a lot of his stuff makes sense if you understand Tony's headcanon and not necessarily make sense just from watching his TV. And that was one of those because that whole segment and the drama and the overwrought nature of it and the connection between fatherhood and all that stuff was like speaking to Tony's real life emotions having to do with his mother having to do with Regal and his son and all of that. And it didn't necessarily make sense in the context of a wrestling TV show.
2: I think that, I think that's, the, I think that's the case too. Um, man, like this guy was was involved in the ending of a world title match on a pay-per-view. And he's just your
0: current
1: cool. champion who's clearly meant to be a long-term champion. Like, with a what? Big that, run. that was supposed yeah.
2: to be a whole story.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, it's, man, nuts. Man. it's nuts. there's a lot of fallout there. Um, well, I was going to jump into start. Like I said, the stardom goddess of uh, stardom tag league final. Um, I thought the match was great, but if you have any thoughts on the tournament and the final, feel free, but we can also skip it.
2: Oh, no, honestly, I don't really have a bunch of thoughts. I thought that you and I looked really good in the matches. I saw of them, but I don't got anything strong to say.
1: Yeah, I think you looks great. Queen's Quest team uh here, the uh Aphrodite team of of uh Kamatani and uh Haya is obviously great. Two of the best wrestlers in the company as far as I'm concerned. Um and the match they had before the final with Melt here was also awesome. It's great, great to see them run that back for the tag titles, obviously. But yeah. Um DO grand prix final, uh UNO versus uh Yuki Onaya. Um, I thought Naya looked great here as a guy who can do like basic stuff with a little twist playing off of being a big man. I talked about it. We talked about it relatively recently when you were asking me, like, where is Naya theoretically truly at as a top guy? Is it forced? Whatever. I think not necessarily forced, but I think this is a good example of what he should be doing, which is, like I said, take basic stuff. He can add a little bit of twist, and he can make it look even more devastating because he's a giant, um, in a way that really delivers. And I think that Uno, obviously selling, is phenomenal. um, And I thought that this was great. What did you think of of the final here? If you even saw it, I I think you did.
2: No, I saw it, and like 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 I've mentioned with certain people, I'm not really looking too heavily. At them, I think that th- this was an important Spot for Ueno in the sense of like he's The guy like leading the match He's the bigger star in the match So we're seeing where he's at with, with that And if he can be someone that carries And leads something and then obviously With Nia, like seeing if It's real and if there's Something that can be built on or if this is Forrest and this Is pro- I still think there's probably this probably the Weakest uh, Do final I can remember. I think since they've been doing since they've been doing the tournament, but like this is in comparison, to, like some like great sometimes match of the year, sometimes match of the year level stuff, or like top twenty, top thirty match of the year level stuff. So that's not necessarily an indictment on it. Uh, but it was it was a risk, and there was a risk that they tried, and I can't I can't I can't say that I can't say that it was. I don't know. Like I, I liked it. I thought it was a good yeah. I thought it was a good match. I
1: would say i say it's a risk, like you said, and I can't say that it failed as a as a risk because the crowd was into it. Yeah. The crowd was losing their mind on the big spots from Naya. Like I said, Naya picking him up just like for a backdrop and then launching UNO forward. Like I said, just taking like a basic move, a basic spot, but adding a twist to it based on being a giant. And the crowd was losing their shit, like fucking dying, going crazy for it. So so like I said, like you can say maybe the match quality wasn't like, you know, through the roof, but the the crowd investment and the drama to it was big. So it did pay off in that regard. And I think that you've got a guy, Anaya, who you can use in big spots like this. And you just have to give him some more credibility and continue to build him up. But you can have a, a big time monster of the week type challenger um, that can basically be heated up at any time and be legit. And he's probably you know, better for that than a lot of guys that they've tried to have in that role in DDT in a long time. They have not had a guy like this, except for like you know, Hino, right? And Hino is large, but isn't doesn't have the same, doesn't cut the same impressive um, kind of you know size because he's not as tall. So you've got someone who's like as thick as Hino, as big as Hino, but you know, probably half a foot taller and really can like deliver for you as a, a big giant like this. And UNO, Ueno proves the point that I've talked about in the past with people like Okada, Tanahashi, and Hiroshima, who can take a big guy like this, a giant lug who's not who's limited, and can deliver something great with his selling and make something special with the drama between that. And Ueno continues to show, you know, obviously uh, the 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 Naya versus uh, Higuchi match showed this that Higuchi's got the same thing, but it's that it's that kind of level of that being like a really great baby face that. Only certain people have, and Ueno showed that he has it here by making something with a guy like that. Um, sorry.
2: <laughs> no, no, you're no, you're good. Um. So, how do you feel going into like the eventual title match?
1: It's tough because Ueno feels like the kind of guy that they want to have the championship, but Higuchi. They felt like it felt like this entire time that like. I've just been waiting for them to pull the rug out of Higuchi, but it feels like they continuously doubled down on actually, you know, following through with him being the guy Um, mm. that I kind of feel like it would make perfect sense to just go to UNO, but it also felt like it made like perfect sense that they were just going to do the same thing with Endo. And then they ended up not doing it. So I don't know. I think I'm excited for the match. It's really cool. Cause it's a match that I actually don't know that I can predict who's going to win. And, but I do think that I hope Aguchi keeps the title and continues on this reign because he's really, really brought back like stability to the title and and to the top of the card.
2: Yeah, this is one of the, this is one of those that I really want to make sure I watch this live whenever it gets whenever it's uh happening. This is like a yeah. Like, I don't I don't know if anyone knows how to call this. Like I don't know if anyone that watches DDT. Yeah knows how to call this so this this, is yeah so there's gonna be one that we obviously we're for sure we're gonna cover here and like i don't know man like this that's i don't i don't get to watch a lot of wrestling live anymore but that's going to be something where i'm making a point to watch that live because that's like a real real big title match for me being invested in seeing ueno's rise obviously being big higuchi guys for as long as we've been that that could be a really special moment that could be like an amazing, spectacular match with all the stakes involved and just like genuine investment in who's going to win in that.
1: Yeah. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, All right. Action wrestling bangers only three top to bottom. Great show. Me and you both agree. This is tons of fun to watch, right? Breeze through. This is what action wrestling is great at. I almost I'm at the point where like I don't want to give it short shrift and just like run through it quickly uh, because we're like somewhat not trying to go long. Right. Um, But so basically just want to say that I just want to give this like a recommendation. Check it out. I can't even really like call out any matches to say, like, watch these particular matches. Like it's it's legitimately watch the whole show.
2: Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I think that i like, am not sure if I could commit to this when we get when we do like the list but I'm pretty sure I think anthony Henry's the best wrestler in the world yeah yeah and'm i'm, match, I, this I'm show, I, yeah I, i'm like i'm pretty sure i think he is i'm just not sure how much I can commit to it but like dude I, <laughs> man he, i know he's He's special, he's man. Amazing. He's he's a dude for as for it to like wrestle as long as he's been wrestling. Like he's a fucking like Jimmy Rave class guy. I think not, maybe that exact class. Is he? Yeah, the, is he? He's a yeah. Kid. He's a he's a Wild Side like era guy. Like yeah, back when yeah, back when Rave and Styles and, and Cross were all come, were all were all coming up. Like he in the fact that he's getting better. Is insane. Like, have you watched the Henry and Darby stuff?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, the match that they just had. Yeah. Uh (laughs) What the fuck? I know when I saw someone say that, and they were like, "Oh, it's a a, uh evolve rematch." I'm like, "Yeah, it's an evolve rematch," but like both guys have gotten so much fucking better since then. That it's like, yeah, it's like evolve fucking not 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 a rematch. It's like a I don't even know how to say it. Like reinvention, basically. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, but uh yeah man, I'm not sh- I'm, I'm not sure he isn't the best wrestler in the world. I feel like it might be a case of like not being in the big spots all the time. So it's right. hard to so it's hard to like make the case, but if he was one of those guys that like give him all the belts, give him all the main event slots, give him this, give him that, that I'm pretty sure he would have that he would have like a real number 1 case but on a match by match like looking at what he does in the ring level i'm not sure who's better than him right
1: now no and i mean i talked about that last year on my list because i ended up having him really high and like last year was the year where um he signed to wwe for like a big chunk of the year but like how good he was early on outside of wwe what he actually still did in wwe and then when he came back and continued to, like, um, just absolutely fucking kill it. Like, yeah, it was, like, very hard to, like, to not have him as high as I did. And then we've got this year back. And as you talked about, just how good, just how good he's been, like, the whole way through. Um, It is, like, just one of the best, one of, really one of the best wrestlers alive, as you said. And, like, the quality of work that he puts out. And it's just a matter of time that you would think someone like Tony Khan, who's like got an eye for talent is going to see just how good he is. And he's got this guy under contract to like actually make something out of him. And, and what happens with an ROH, what happens with a Anthony Henry on ROH TV every week? Cause it feels like he's a guy who's really primed for that to be like a, a great showcase situation for him. Just give this guy time fill up the tv and really make something out of that because yeah like i was going into this and i was like really i was not in the mood <laughs> because i got spoiled and i saw that anthony henry won the title from adam priest and it's action and i was just not in the mood for anthony henry to pull some bullshit and get a fuck win against adam priest who's such a great baby face in action which is crazy because he's such a heel everywhere else but that crowd just loves him for some reason and it's a it's a feather in his cap too where it's like okay when end of the year list comes adam priest in the top 10 doesn't seem out of the fucking question really um so i'm just like i can't fucking emotionally deal with this and then when i finally went and watched the match i was like what did i expect right and it's like matt matt is such a great booker because you know this is as you talked about this is that that logic that i heard dylan say one time which is when you have the best wrestler in the world there you you kind of want to have him win you know and when you've got anthony henry as the best wrestler in the world on your show you kind of want to give him your title you kind of want to have the best wrestler in the world be your champion so that's why putting the title on anthony henry just makes too much sense and the way that they got there i thought was great the finish of the match was fucking perfect it wasn't over the top it wasn't annoying it didn't you know make me feel like ah uh, what the fuck? It, like they got there, they earned it and they made it work. Like, yeah, great, great stuff.
2: What do you think of uh I don't want to talk about everything on here. Uh right, right. what do you think of Shelly and should be? Because I love that.
1: Okay. You know what watching this match made me think and I was like rewatching it earlier to, to for the show. I thought, what if final battle but with the action crowd?
2: Right. Because yeah, yeah, the yeah.
1: way that this crowd was just living and dying, cheering nonstop, unbreakable for Alex Shelley really added to the, the quality of the match. And if the final battle crowd, the final battle crowd was good, but they were doing like, this is awesome. Fight forever. We want tables, that kind of bullshit. If you got this kind of crowd that was like really into the wrestling and not like into like, you know, memes on the final battle show, it would have brought it up to the next level. But yeah, I thought this was fucking great, and this was like the longest match on the show. And Alex Shelley really showed why Alex Shelley yeah, is was. one of the best wrestlers of all time, because he took Shug D. Who take him, love him or hate him? Some people are not big fans of Shug. Some people are not big fans of Shug in the ring, but they like him on the mic. Whatever, blah blah blah. Like Shug did not look out of place here with Shelley. Shelly really worked to make that Suge feel like he was just as good as him and that they were equals and this was something and Shelly overcoming and like I said, the crowd being 100% behind Shelly and the way that they like the the energy that they gave was infectious and made this this match like insanely amazing, like insanely easy to watch and just like such a fucking hoot because of the crowd being so into it and because of Shelly being so great at making Suge feel like he's on his level. What did you think?
2: Uh, same thing there uh yeah i swear every time i watch shelly i just <laughs> i know simon simon i know simon says this and like he's being serious and part of me feels like simon was like it will say it to like get under somebody's skin but like alex shelly is like my bobby eaton the way that people yes. talk yes. about bobby eaton and like I love him. I think he's awesome. I just don't love him the way that, like, the biggest Bobby Eaton people love him. Like, that's me with Shelly. As to where, like, every single thing he does, everything about him, I just fucking adore it. As a baby face, as a heel, as a singles guy, the way he executes things, like, I just love everything about him. And and Shugby can be really good in, uh, in in longer matches, surprise so like you know, people might not be like people not, might might not be coming to him or thinking of him when they think of like uh, the guy having the longest match on the show. But he can hold his own. With that being said, like we've seen Alex Shelley just do a bunch of different things over the last few years and switch it up depending on the on the situation and what's going on. We saw him versus Henry. We saw what he did versus AC Mack and then him going full on babyface here versus Shug like. He's just he's just incredible, man. And yeah, if there were like if this um, if, if if final battle had a better crowd, like I'm not sure we're taking it to like show of the years ass or anything because I still think that there was something that just wasn't that good. But
0: sure. like
2: just Alex Shelley is just a master of crowd engagement and crowd participate and crowd and crowd participation and crowd heat and and in going both ways as a baby face and a heel and. Yeah, man, like, I know we got some time, but if yeah. he keeps sitting there and going out there and having great matches and looking like he's so totally healthy and not doing anything that was, like, really putting him in immediate danger with his body, there's no reason that he can't keep being great for the next couple of years, maybe even three or four. And, like, seriously, man, if people are getting ready to do GWE and participate in GWE and doing all this research and work. Like you're doing a self a disservice if you're not considering Alex Shelley because that truly is one of the best wrestlers ever. <laughs> like,
1: Oh yeah. No, no. Like, uh, yeah, at this point, the Bobby Eaton comparison is so great because, because Motor City machine guns were, you know, and I think the first time I ever heard someone say this was Pete, but they're like the midnight express so the Young Bucks, you know, uh rock and roll express like, you know, arguably the better wrestlers, you know, arguably like actually like putting together the better matches have the, the longer resume, all this stuff just don't have the flash. But that's the fucking point because you want the baby faces to be like the stars of the whole thing, you know, is kind of the like what you want to like the whole point of doing all that like and yeah, like. Alex Shelley being the Bobby Eaton is not surprising because a lot of times like, you know, the Saban, I like Saban, I don't dislike Saban. But if you're going to say out of who from the Motor City Machine Guns was the guy who was like a fucking wrestling genius, who's the guy who not only has Midnight Express, but also has, you know, the, the Cocoa Ware tag team also has the Blue Bloods tag team also has the run in uh in the Dangerous Alliance, you know, like kind of look at Alex Shelley and you go, okay, well, he was also in Gen and Jen, uh, next. He was also in the uh, time splitters, you know, like he's got more to it than just the midnight express. Um, so yeah, it's, it's Alex Shelley's definitely the Bobby Eaton of the team. And, and he's honestly the Bobby Eaton of, of kind of the two thousands or whatever. And it's, it's honestly a, a super apt comparison. Um,
2: yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, yeah, like Simon, like Simon nailed that perfectly when he said that and, that's going to be dr- a, a, like, a, like a drum I'm beating. You know, I have the guys I feel like I'm going to be fighting for as we get closer to GWE. And Alex Shelley is one where it's like, if you're not considering Alex Shelley, that means either you haven't really seen him or that means you're like really, really underappreciating him. Right. Like, because there's no way you could watch that guy, realize how good he's been. And then you're telling me that, like, he just doesn't warrant any actual consideration.
1: No, it's it's that thing. It's like it's that bias, the modern bias, the reverse modern bias, right? It's saying, oh, wrestling's just not as good anymore. A lot of people who are going to say stuff like that, and it's like, okay, you're just not again, like you said, you're just not paying attention because there there's still people who stand out and they're just as good as ever. And Alex Shelley's one of them. Um, go ahead.
2: No, I was just saying, like, yeah, like a kid, like a guy when I was going back and watch IWA Mid South stuff, like, and like, dude, like, l- like legitimate oh best God, rookie, yeah. like, like legitimate best rookie. Like, and like, like, he might not be number one, but if you tried to tell me that he was number two or number three, I feel like I, like he, that he he would have a case. Like he's that good.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
2: then like, he stayed that good and then, and got better. (laughs) Like, no, he's, he's incredible, man.
1: Yeah. No, he, uh, he is fantastic. Um. Something that just crossed my mind because you're talking about amazing rookies. I think I thought of, uh, uh, what's it Kurt Angle. Someone who a lot of people give credit for, for being great angle, great rookies. Um, on, I, I don't know. I just heard like reports and stuff, I guess like on raw Gable Steveson is like being aligned with, um, Kurt Angle, you know, and it's like, Oh, okay. American or Olympic gold medalist, whatever that makes sense. Um, and then on NXT, his brother, Damon Kemp, because I watched some of the deadline because I've heard people talking about everything. They showed Damon Kemp getting aligned with Drew Gulak around the same time. And I was kind of like, it's just so perfect, you know, because. From everything I've heard, because I'm not paying attention to it. Um, Damon Kemp is a better wrestler than. Gable Steveson, like pro wrestler. And Drew Gulak is a better wrestler than Kurt Angle. So it makes sense that the guys who get less uh, less attention and less people paying, like less fanfare, not as big as superstars, are together, and then the bigger like stars, but not as good pro wrestlers are together. Um, anyways,
2: that is, is interesting. Um you yeah. have we have final battle left to talk about. Yes. Um okay, can I get the obvious thing out of the way first? Sure. Um yeah, the, the, the Briscoes and FTR is definitely, Imagine. like, like the fact that this, like, like, I feel like this is the best one. Yeah. But the fact that you could say that this isn't the best one. It's <laughs> fair. It's uh, fair. Like, it, but I'm going say, like, that's a testament to the three matches that these teams had this year. Like, it's like... Right just fucking incredible in like a year where i feel like we haven't had like a lot of those like clear cut like this is gonna dominate year endless things And maybe that's just me but it feels like i like i haven't seen like a lot of like oh this is gonna for sure be like a thing that dominates like right year endless and stuff like that now this has been the only series of matches the only matches where i feel like universally that there's going to be like a ton of support in everything behind them, uh, this was perfect. This was perfectly done, perfectly well booked territory tribute stuff, and like just supremely well handled all across the board. Uh, yeah, but I, I really don't know what's left. What's left to say about these two teams facing each other is that they've done it three times and topped themselves each time. The, like it felt bigger felt more brutal felt more felt more violent felt more well thought out every every single time and like the awareness to have this be the shortest one yeah you know like right like like actually like really working to the gimmick and not trying to make it like this big long epic uh um
1: well, big big match, big title match longest chain
2: Yes. <laughs> Shortest match, longest chain. Yeah. Well, like the first one, like, the first one is forty. Like the other one is like fifty. Is like fifty minutes, and this goes twenty-two. Like it just like they these guys get it. They understand it, and they nail this, and they nail this stuff perfectly. Uh, yeah, man, I got I I, I really got a, got a lot to say because like what like what do you what do you say about these teams together at this point? Like, it's I I mean for me with ahead. FTR. It's more of FTR point, and like one, I'm glad to see the Briscoes like having anything this good after like a couple years where they were still good, but you know the motivation seemed not there, or like the competition level wasn't anything that was driving them or anything like that. To see that they still have this gear they can kick into, but also FTR is really one of wrestling's greatest what ifs. I feel like is if they come into a WWE main roster where they care about tag team wrestling and get what these guys are, just what their place in history would be. And like more than a lot of wrestlers in teams, they get to control their uh <laughs> control their narrative, I guess. But but yeah. control the perception but but like control the perception of them. In ways that like is kind of uh, kind of uncanny because they built up that cachet with the NXT stuff. That like when they weren't being successful on the main roster, that they weren't really getting blamed or shit on or anything like that for by, by a lot of people because we saw what they could do when given the chance. So seeing them now, after what some people will call like some rocky time in AEW to start. And then the time on the main roster spent be with inconsistent booking or just straight up doing nothing for everything that they have under their belt, all the all time great tag team matches that they have under their belt. I feel like part of them is still like this great wrestling. What if yeah, because like they spent so much time in between their great shit. Like they spent so much time in between 2016 Having the having the stuff that they were doing, I think it was twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen, having the stuff that they were doing with uh, the with, with with DIY and every and everybody to
1: Alpha or I was going to say Alpha Academy, American uh,
2: Alpha, Amer- American Alpha. I think there's a Mustache Mountain match yeah, in there somewhere.
1: Uh, there's uh, um uh, the Vod Villains.
2: There yeah, there's the uh end zone, there's and there's the end zone cast, like yeah, there's all this stuff that they did, right? From then and then up until this year, where things start really clicking for them with the Buck stuff and the Briscoes and everything there, that's six years. At least like you know, five or six years, give or take, of like, damn, like these guys were great. What the fuck is going on? Like, like with this. Where it, where it, where, it, where is all of this? The fact that it's six years between the uh, TakeOver Toronto and this right here, this double dog collar match, and you think of the time in between where they just didn't get to do anything. So I see all these accomplishments. I see the all-time great matches and the star ratings and things like that, but FTR really is a what-if to me. As someone that does this nerd stuff, like compiling who the best wrestlers of all time are and who the best tag teams of all time are, that you want to put them there and and like you want to yeah. have them in these conversations, but they really are so peak based. And we'll see maybe as like how much time they have left in their careers, how long they keep wrestling, and all that type of stuff. But like as far as now, they're still so peak based. But you want to put them in those conversations because like their best stuff is some of the best acting wrestling ever
1: and it's it's so weird because so much of their career mirrors and happens at the same time concurrently with the young bucks and the young bucks becoming like what they do what they do as like becoming like a, a main event tag team, right? but on like a lower scale in the indies and this and that, and never getting quite to that level in new Japan and, and all this stuff. And it is like the same thing where it's that it's like a, a what if it's like, what if tag teams could be, you know, the top drawing, not just drawing because like, obviously both teams can draw, but like can be presented as the top thing. And, and you do like one and then it is like the matches with the feud and the matches between the two teams have they've delivered, don't get me wrong, but they've never really ever lived up because it is such a high expectation level. It's such a what what do you want? But then you've got this feud that happens with the Briscoes where it feels like the pressure's off a little bit. You know, for people like me and you, and you already mentioned Simon, like who understand that the Briscoes are actually, you know, <laughs> What is what does it say on the jackets? Top five, dead or alive, right? Like for the the real heads, we know that that's hundred percent true. And but but it feels like the pressure's off, and it feels like the first match comes in and it's this random dream match, and then what it becomes, and then the second match, there's been some build, but it doesn't really feel like there's been like you know that's not that at that level, and then this match feels almost like it comes out of nowhere. And they again, you talk about how they repeatedly just continue to outdo themselves. Like, you actually get kind of what you were hoping for, what you were predicting, what you would expect from the the FTR-Bucks feud. You actually get it here with the Briscoes. And the stuff you said about the Briscoes, the only thing that crossed my mind is, like, the GCW. Like, they show up in GCW and it doesn't matter that, like, what the level of competition they're getting. You're getting Briscoes matches that are just... Absolutely incredible, insane, amazing performances, and it doesn't matter. They could be wrestling a fucking broomstick. You're ending up with a match that ends up on your match of the night list, ends up on, could be on your match of the year list. You know, every time out, even in a place like GCW. And then, like you said, finally something to sink their teeth into here with this feud with FTR. And Jesus Christ, if they don't over-fucking deliver. Um, Amazing stuff. And the match itself, like... You could do what other podcasts do, and you go move-by-move, hold-by-hold, talk about the whole thing, and there's a ton to lose your fucking mind for. But the juice, like, the color, the blood, amazing. Septuple blood, it's rare. You don't see it, but all four members, all four guys in the tag match, plus the referee getting color, and of course, Jay Briscoe, always the overachiever, has the biggest fucking bloody fucking... You talked about FTR being the biggest what-if in wrestling. I'm sorry, but Jay Briscoe is the biggest what-if in wrestling. Jay Briscoe is the... This guy, no matter what situation he is in, Jay is the biggest overachiever in all of wrestling. This motherfucker. As a tag team wrestler. And then he gets back into singles after he's got the legendary Joe match that people talked about for years, but then completely forgot by the time you get back to Jay winning the ROH title and then becomes the talk of the town as the hugest singles champion in the world. And then you get back to the team. Jay, when you talk about what if, what if Jay Briscoe in any other time period, he's just one of the last outlaws, one of the last unruly motherfuckers. You know, these guys, obviously the Briscoes have always, put a ton of respect on Terry Funk's name. But when you talk about just territory, the kind of wrestlers who belonged on the territories, the kind of wrestlers who belonged in an outlaw when wrestling was for outlaws, when wrestling was not squeaky clean. And I'm not apologizing for any stupid thing that, you know, any of these, that Jay Briscoe has ever said on the internet or whatever, any of that. But really when it comes down to it, that shit does not matter. I'm sorry, but there have never been wrestlers with good politics. That's not the fucking point. Jay Briscoe at any time other than now at any other situation like one of the just biggest stars in the history of the fucking business. This guy is absolutely amazing. If Jay Briscoe like you talking about have the right opponents in the right situations, if all this stuff look at this is this is the match the what if? The question what if? This is what this match circles around. This is what this match answers. The question is what if, right? What if this great tag team actually had great opponents, actually got treated like the main event, people were actually invested in what they had to do? Jay Briscoe, what if all the other shit didn't matter? What if all that truly mattered was how good you are in the ring? What if being one of the best promos in the past 20 years was actually appreciated? What if? And the answer to the question is, what if all that? What if is this match? This match is what if? Because this is the match of the year. I'm sorry, I've been talking about it all year. Biff and Mox could not get it out of my head. This match completely overshadows that match, over the top to where it's almost not fair to like compare them. This is what if. What if is this match right here? So that's the, that's the last thing I have to say.
2: Um, I do have to go. I do have to go here in a bit. So. Uh... Perfect. And so, and so, any other? Like, we'll, just, we'll just go through real quick. Um, Athena is a. Athena has been really building herself, well, building herself up well on the on the smaller on the smaller AEW shows, and I feel like she's a good choice here to put the belt to put the belt on. I'm excited to see. I'm yeah. excited to see that. Uh and Garcia, another chapter, another chapter there in that, and it was written. I it was really. It. I, I thought. I, I thought it was. Match, I yeah, thought it was really good. I've st- I'm still waiting to see them hit like their peak again on a bigger stage, whether it's like ROH or AEW, but like these matches with each other for the pure title, I'm still really enjoying. I'm just waiting for them to get like that big slot.
1: Uh, Claudio and Jericho, I mean, could have been worse. I didn't hate it. Um, no, I liked it. I liked the finish a lot. I thought the match was good. You know, yeah.
2: Um, Other than that, though, I feel I like... Joe and
1: Juice was good for what it was on the spot on the card. Uh, um, okay, oh, Swerve
2: swerving swerve our glory. Okay. One last, I really you know?
1: wanted to get into that match. I actually really loved it. It sounds like you didn't really like it.
2: No, which one? So, J- Joe and Juice?
1: No, no, uh, Swerve and, and Shane Taylor promotions.
2: Oh, no, I do really like the match, but obviously, like the uh, I guess like the tension and everything is like the bigger, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, there's a lot of drama, but I thought that they really executed and gave you enough without giving you everything and just continued to build up the drama I thought that I honestly really liked it for that it's like a kind of a blue balls match but I thought they executed that really well because you didn't even you didn't even really get Shane versus Keith except for like a couple insane spots like Keith mm-hmm. catching Shane out of midair you know like and a couple like forearm exchange but they still really kept that that matchup protected
2: no yeah they de- no, they definitely didn't I wouldn't be surprised if whenever we get the next big ROH weight show that that's uh that that's something we get bu- something we get build- building towards but that's probably my second favorite match of the show second, second second favorite match of the show i yeah, liked really yeah, yeah, i liked, it was I, liked cool. I liked it a little i liked it a little bit more than you and garcia it was a fu- it was yeah. a fun show overall like we have to speed through it just because i got things i gotta do but this is a this was a really really fun show that that uh that's blown that's blown by and i'm still really enjoying all the roh pay per views since the uh tony since the tony Khan purchasing I thought that they've been I thought that they've all been solid. I'm glad that we don't have to worry about Jericho as champ any longer. But I'm 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 into all of this and I'm excited to see all of this. We got Claudio, we got like our champions are Claudio, Joe, and the Briscoes. And obviously Yuda, but like come on, yeah. like yeah. come like come on, man. That's fucking awesome.
1: Like <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's great. The pre show stuff was all really good too. I don't know if you watched any of it, but I would definitely recommend checking it out. Everything on the pre-show was good and quick um yeah but yeah the roh looks great here and the people who are down on the idea of them being on the honor club i don't know what the fuck you're talking about who cares right really like if you don't want to pay for it don't steal it like it's all online for free it doesn't matter and if you do want to pay for it cool it's it's ten dollars a month to watch a bunch of great wrestling um you didn't mention it but the first match on the show the tag team match with ar fox blake christian versus uh, in gobernables was i thought was a fucking great match i enjoyed mm-hmm. the finish everyone's saying that the finish seemed like a botch i'm like i'm sorry no i felt like the finish was intentional that is ruch juristico shit that is fucking uh what is it alvarez family like that is what they alvarado, do. alvarado family yeah yeah alvarado family loves to do this kind of bullshit where Like they lose, but they kick out and you make it weird and then they get their heat back and attack everyone with chairs and do all this stuff. Like, I don't don't, don't think
2: there's, I don't think there's Alvarado. I think there's Alvarado family. I think Alvarado family is La Mascara and Maximo and all all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, but but, but in general, this is what that family does. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is their style. I think that people who think that this was real are fucking marks and they're falling for it. It's like, no, man, this is not. This was not a fucking... This was not a shoot. Roosh didn't start shooting all over everyone and, and Drillistico start just fucking, you know, attacking people with chairs out of nowhere. No, this was the planned finish. They were going to lose. They were going to make it look like it was... They didn't really lose and then they were going to lose their mind and act fucking crazy. And I thought that the match itself was great and the finish was even better. Um. Anyways, Quentin, let's close it out.
2: Uh, Yeah, um... We make good we make good time here. I'm happy with I'm happy with this, happy with how it went. Uh you can follow me on Twitter at QC underscore moody. You can follow Tim at Bone Dog's wife. You can follow the podcast network oh, no. at w-
1: No, you didn't catch it. I am now at ROH Dutch.
2: Oh, that's actually that's your app? Yeah. Why'd you take it?
1: <laughs> because it's cool. I wanted to explain this, but like the fact that he was WWE Dutch forever. Forever would not change his name and then finally changed it to ROH Dutch. And then like within a year, he's back in WWE because he got signed back to WWE and changed it back to WWE Dutch. I thought that was so funny that I wanted to commemorate the uh the the at forever. So I am at ROH Dutch.
2: Okay, so it is no longer Bone Dog's wife. It is at ROH Dutch. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN if you're feeling so kind so you could donate to us on coffee and i don't i don't know fund us purchase fund us purchasing pro wrestling only yeah i think i, I think just it's just 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 tell just tell loss to give it to us so we can fully control the gwe process and we can rig it for brian for we so we can rig it for brian danielson and chuck taylor obviously brian danielson <laughs> won't need the rigging but chuck taylor i feel like could use the extra support so if you want to support that donate to us on coffee thank you for thank you to everyone for listening hope you're next time Dude,